Hello and welcome to the UK Dividend Stocks podcast. Uh, my name is John Kingham and in this episode um, I'd like to talk about Next uh, because it's a company that I own and uh, it recently re- released its interim results so I thought it would be an interesting time to to just run through the company, what it does, why I think it's a, a quality dividend stock and uh, and so on. So I'm going to touch on a few uh, uh, points. Uh, briefly, that's what Next does. Uh, and also its interim results. Um, then uh, uh, an interesting point about Next is, is that it's positioned as both an online and an offline retailer, which differentiates it a bit from some of the pure play online retailers. Uh, So I want to quickly look at um, how it's using its stores to its advantage rather than than being effectively a disadvantage. Um, Why I own Next, why it's in the UK dividend stocks model portfolio. Uh, In other words, why I think it's a a high quality dividend stock. then I want to just walk through some of the assumptions I've made to build a dividend model for Next. Um, and then that dividend model will then uh, give us uh, an estimate of, or at least my estimate of Next's fair value and, and a good value price. Um, and then I want to wrap up by just talking a bit about whether I'm looking to hold, continue holding the company or whether now is... Uh, the time to sell or possibly top up and, and buy some more shares. So as usual, uh, a quick disclaimer, this uh, episode contains information, not financial advice. And if you need financial advice, you should go and see a regulated financial advisor. So what does next do? Uh, I uh, generally describe it as as Marks and Spencers, but a bit more trendy. In other words, uh, it's a clo- mostly a clothing retailer. MS is clothes and food and some homewares. Um, Next is the same, but without the food. So it mostly sells its own brand clothes. So uh, Next shirts in its own stores. Um but it does sell third-party clothing and it does sell homewares and it does have a website, obviously. Um, so the own brand uh, products make up about 80% of its sales with the remaining 20% being made up by third-party products. Uh, clothing is about 80% of, of revenues and homewares, the remaining 20%. Um, it gets about 80% of its revenues from the UK and about 20% from its uh, international business, which is growing a bit faster than the UK business. Also, uh, before the pandemic, it was getting it just reached the point where online sales had overtaken in-store sales. So it just before the pandemic, it just made the switch to being a pr- predominantly uh, an online retailer, which... Uh, actually turned out to be really handy uh, for the pandemic. And it's also got a credit business which allows people to buy now and pay later. Um, And it's been in retail, clothing retail, 
the next brand has been around since the early 80s but the the underlying company uh was in place decades before that so it's a it's a very established um business so the interim results um basically next has come through the pandemic quite well it wasn't really materially damaged uh during the pandemic and now things are kind of back to where they were in 2019 uh full price sales um in june and july are actually up about 20 percent on 2019 levels which is a lot and really that's mostly due to um you know one-off factors of pent-up demand where people hadn't been going out and now we're all allowed out again so people want to buy outfits to go out or um people have been fitting out their home offices so that benefited the, the homewares business um and people had saved up money and they weren't going abroad on holidays so much that they've had more uh, cash now to spend on clothing but all of these are sh temporary factors and will probably evaporate over the next year or so um it's also important to mention that next did benefit from several lucky breaks which made its uh its progress through the pandemic uh, a lot easier than for some other companies. So, for example, two-thirds of its store estate are in out-of-town retail parks, which is sensible anyway for a modern retailer, but specifically that helped in the pandemic because retail parks are you know, more open, the stores tend to be bigger, so it's easy to do social distancing, so they generally outperformed high street stores. Um also, about sixty percent of um, of Next's revenues, the 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 product groupings that make up about sixty percent of its revenues before the pandemic, benefited uh, from lockdowns. So it was selling products like loungewear, children's wear, uh, which did well during the pandemic, and homewares, which I think revenues doubled or something. So there was like a, a, an enormous flood of people buying and, and fitting out their homes more because they're all, everybody was sat at home and so therefore couldn't spend the money on anything else. So they wanted to do up the house that they were sitting around in or they started working from home. So they fitted out a, a home office. So that again, that was, that was just luck that it just happened to be in, in certain uh, parts of the market that were, that benefited from uh, lockdowns. And of course, also that the business that Next was also generating about 50% of its sales online, which obviously helps when all of your stores are closed uh, for several months. So uh, Next is is now basically a, a what's known as a, a hybrid retailer, which means that it's both online and offline. So it's there's really are probably very few retailers now that haven't got some kind of online footprint. Um, but the fact that Next now has most of its sales coming online is good, obviously, because that's the, the general direction of travel anyway. And of course, it helped during the uh, during the pandemic. But there are other companies that have got lower cost bases um, that are pure play retailers. Uh, pure pure play online retailers and they they don't have the the overheads of stores so as an uh, as an offline retailer that's always been a bit of a problem it's very difficult to compete against the, the in terms of cost against the pure play online uh, 
competitors. Uh, but uh, having stores uh, can actually uh, be useful because it's useful for people to go in and see and touch and feel the products. It's easy to do click and collect. Uh, people can buy things, have it delivered to the store, try it on in the store and then go home or with it. Or if you don't like it, just you can return it in store immediately. So there are, there are certain benefits. And I think Next picks up a material amount of its returns in store, which just makes returns processing easier and more efficient. So there are certain advantages advantages to having both an online presence and a material uh, offline presence. And one interesting thing that Next is doing to try and push that advantage harder is something called Total Platform, where it basically gives uh, smaller third-party competitors um, access to its website, not only having their products on its website, but having their own branded website that looks and feels like their website, but it runs on Next's web infrastructure. And then they also have access to Next's warehousing and logistics and distribution and, and ability to taking returns in store and all the kind of things that are that are difficult for much smaller companies to do as cost effectively as one of the biggest companies in the UK, one of the biggest retailers in the UK, which is Next. So this is a way to take advantage as more and more companies look to move more and more online. Next has this built has already built this platform, which is then very attractive to these smaller companies. Uh, and so that's a, a, a very low cost way for Next to earn additional revenues from the sales of these these third-party companies' products on its uh, on its platform, um, which it boosts your return on capital and also allows Next to scale up its infrastructure even more, which uh, gives the company further economies of scale. And so there are already uh, several reasonably well-known brands on the next platform, including Victoria's Secret, uh, Laura Ashley and Gap, or Gap is coming in 2022, I think. Um, so that's just interesting. So so, so uh, next, of, of the kind of the, the traditional offline retailers, I would say that next, clothing retailers, I would say that next probably looks like it's the one that's, that's best positioned itself for uh, the online world. Certainly a lot better than M&S has managed to do. So why is Next? Why do I own shares in Next? Why is it in the UK dividend stocks model portfolio? The very short answer is that I think it's a high quality company. Uh, it's a high quality dividend growth stock. Uh, why do I think that? Well, uh the obvious answer is that it's it's uh, got a long track record of dividend growth in the past uh, but more importantly it's produced consistently high returns on capital um and that has given it the the cash uh to to fund growth over time uh so uh net return on capital employed has been around uh 20% over the last 10 years which is about double the average uh 
FTSE 100 company. Uh, as I said, those retained and, and the the earnings that it's retained within the business uh, have driven quite consistent growth around mid single digit uh, over the last decade and beyond. And it doesn't have a lot of debt. It's got quite short um, leases, which means that it's got a flexible base. It's able to close stores, move stores around much more easily than if you've got leases that are like 10, 15, 20 years or something. It's much easier to to reposition yourself um, because the retail environment is moving quite fast. So uh, then... The, the the first thing is is to to look at a company's return on capital employed because that's really what produces the the cash that's going to pay dividends and, and fund future growth. But um, capitalism is is competitive, and so you can't just set up a company and earn twenty percent return on capital employed because if you do, your competitors are going to see that and they're going to set up copycat companies and they're going to undercut you on price and compete away some of your profits. So the only way to be able to do what Next has done, which is to earn materially above average returns over many, many, many years, is to have some form of durable competitive advantage. So retailers, clothing retailers, don't typically have durable competitive advantages because it's pretty easy to design a t-shirt, set up a shop, uh, order some t-shirts from to get them manufactured in China and to start selling them. It's pretty easy to set up a clothing business, basically. Uh, so what sort of durable competitive advantages might Next have? Well, the obvious one is brand, because Everyone knows the next brand. If you see a next store in the high street, then you know what's inside. Um, if you're thinking of buying a mid, sort of upper, upper mid end of the market item of clothing, next is a, a name that's probably going to spring to mind for a lot of people. Um, however, I don't really think that the next brand has uh is really a, a durable competitive advantage it's it's an advantage it's useful to have a brand that's so well known but i don't really think it allows next to increase the price of its products materially relative to the competition um and so uh, i i ran a quick experiment which was to ask a few people you know if you could buy a next coat um or another coat that was identical in terms of the quality of the coat, but it wasn't from Next. It was from some unbranded, never heard of it company. But the you know clearly looking at the two coats, the quality was comparable. And if if the unbranded one was half the price of the Next coat, which one would you buy? Then everybody that I asked said, well, they didn't really care if a coat was from Next or not, so they would buy the cheaper one as long as the quality was the same. They'd buy the cheap one. Whereas uh, I then asked the same question, uh, but using Burberry as the example. So we've got a Burberry coat, um, and it's, you know, whatever, a couple of thousand pounds for a Burberry coat. And uh, then there's another coat which is of identical quality. Uh, would you buy the unbranded one if it was half the price of the Burberry one? And everybody said no, because if you're going to buy a really expensive Burberry 
coat, the whole point is that it's a Burberry. There's, if you're not, if it's not a Burberry, then, what's, then you would go and buy a much, 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 much cheaper one from Next or somewhere else. So the Burberry brand really does have pricing power. People are willing to pay materially higher prices just because it's a Burberry. Uh, and that's not true of Next. So I don't think Next brand is really much of a competitive advantage. Um, I think more of an advantage is the fact that Next is an extremely large UK retailer. I think, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it's the UK's largest clothing retailer in terms of uh, profit. So there are other companies that have higher clothing sales, but I'm not sure any have higher profits. But anyway, it's a very, very large company. So if you're setting up a company, uh, you know, Next earns hundreds of millions of pounds in profit and about four billion uh, in sales a year. So it's a big company. And that obviously being very large allows you to have lots of very big warehouses and very efficient uh, infrastructure and distribution. And you get lots of buying power because you're buying so much volume from your uh, from the manufacturers, and uh, it allows you to to pay talented people very large sums of money that maybe smaller companies can't afford. So there's a there's a bunch of uh, of different benefits of being big, and I think that is a that is a definitely an advantage. Um, probably the most interesting advantage that I think Next has is its uh, its CEO, who is a very unusual CEO. So he joined the company in 1991, I think straight out of university. And he worked in the company for 10 years, from 91 to 2001, working his way up to the very top. Uh, he happened to be the son of the chairman when he joined the company. So whether that's got anything to do with it or not, who knows? Uh, but anyway, he went from uh, joined the company. Ten years later, he was the CEO, and he's been the CEO for twenty years, and he shows no signs or no interest of going anywhere else. That's really, really unusual. Very, very odd. Most career CEOs jump around, moving from one company to the next every three to five or seven years or something. Not many CEOs stick around for more than ten years. So to have a CEO in place for 20 years is clearly something different. And the way he runs the business is he runs it like it's a family business. He runs it very prudently, but with a very, with a, with a view on the long-term future. So he's willing to invest in the business to adapt and move the business so that it is positioned well for the future so the obviously the internet is a, is a fantastic example of that so next like a lot of retailers have had a website for 20 plus years now but it's the it's the the level of investment and the care with which they've built the online business really differentiates it from other companies like uh Debenhams, I think, would be a good example, which clearly is a kind of similar kind of business, um, which just made a complete mess and 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 uh, fell over and died, or Marks and Spencers, which has allowed its clothing business to 
to really, really fall behind over many, many years. If you look at Next, they've just done a fantastic job of knowing how to invest in the business to to position it for the uh, as as consumer tastes change and as the the technology changes and they've just really really done a good job and i just think a, a big big part of that is having a ceo who i think has only ever worked in next and has worked there for 30 years so he knows the business inside out you know to a to a, an extraordinary degree i would imagine and i know there's other there's other top people in next who've been there for a long time so i think that is that is a competitive advantage having a, a CEO who runs the business like it's a family business. Um, but obviously there's an issue with that, which is that, well, if it gets run over by a bus, then who knows, you know. Before uh, the current CEO arrived on the scene, Next had run into serious problems in the 80s where it expanded too fast, bought lots of other companies with debt and nearly died. So Next isn't like a magical unicorn that can do whatever it likes if you have an idiot running the company it will run into serious problems and possibly fail so when a company is run by a very talented ceo for a very very long time what you want to see is a very sensible um or what you want to see is a a depth of talent or a commitment to, to building um, like a pipeline of talented people who could take over uh, if the CEO dropped dead for some reason. Now, I don't, there's no obvious signs that Next has done that. Maybe it has. I have no idea. Uh, but they, they certainly don't make a big thing out of saying, oh, yes, you know, we like to hire internal CEOs, which is something that I like to see companies do. Um, so, yeah. So I think... Possibly the CEO is the main competitive advantage, which is possibly a double-edged sword. If he drops dead, then who knows what's going to happen to the business. It depends how much of his way of running the company has been ingrained within its culture deeply enough so that even if an idiot CEO turns up, uh, the the culture is going to... Uh, uh, retain its qualities and possibly the CEO would get ejected and replaced with a more appropriate one. But we shall have to wait and see on that front. So I like Next. I think it's a high quality business. It's been successful for a very long time. It's produced very good returns on capital. It's managed very well. It's adapted to the uh, the shift to online shopping very well. I own it. It's in the, the UK dividend stocks model portfolio. So that's that's half of, of the work of analysing the company is looking at the company and then the, the rest is to think about valuation. And to think about valuation, we need to know what the fair value of the company is and to know or estimate fair value, we need to estimate the company's future dividends because fair value, a company is only worth the cash that it will pay back out to shareholders at some point in the future. Um, and so my preferred way of estimating future dividends is to think about the amount of capital that's employed within the business. So that's money. Capital is just money raised from shareholders um, 
from banks uh, that's borrowed from banks and is also leased capital like stores. You're thinking of all the what what are, what are the productive assets within the business? You know, it's stores, warehouses, the stock, that kind of thing. What return do you get on that capital? And then how much of that return gets paid out as a dividend and how much of it gets retained within the business to drive uh, future growth, to pay for more warehouses, more stock and so on. So as a starting point, um, let's have a think. Let's have a look. Okay, I haven't no, jotted it down here. I think uh, next in 2021 had 2,400, I think it was, P of capital employed in the business per share, obviously. Um, and so that produces a certain return. And management have said that in 2022, they expect next to earn 516p uh, from that capital, which is kind of in line with historic uh, norms in terms of percentages. So they think they've already they've already said they think next is going to earn 516p, obviously, approximately. Um, and they've already said that they expect to pay a dividend for the year of 192p. Um, which is higher than the ordinary dividend from a couple of years ago, but it's less than uh, the dividend if you include special dividends and share buybacks as well. So the starting point for the model is that uh, Next will earn 516p this year and pay out a dividend of 192. The earnings that aren't paid out then get reinvested within the business. That increases the capital employed. So that the next year, the earnings are then based on a larger capital base. Now, there's a slight quirk, which is that 2022 is expected to be a bumper year because of all of the, the pent-up demand. So my model assumes that earnings will actually drop back a bit in 2023 as demand kind of normalizes. We don't have any more pent-up demand. And so and then so 2023 is really the base from which the uh next expected dividends uh, really move forward. So basically the model assumes that next can produce returns on capital of around 18%, which is slightly conservative relative to history. It also assumes that dividend cover will be around 1.2, which is low, but that's in line with next's historic average. If you take its dividends, and it typically pays large special special dividends or it makes large buybacks if you include um, normal dividends special dividends and buybacks then it's it's uh, dividend cover is typically around 1.2 um, and so if you plug those into a spreadsheet um, it spits out a growth rate of around three percent for the dividend and earnings and capital employed uh, up to about 2030. That's as far out as I as I run the model, and so that would take the dividend from the total dividend, including specials and buybacks, from 409p in 2023 to 503p in uh, 2030, and then beyond that, uh, I like to estimate a kind of a, a kind of eternal run rate growth, which is you just you think well okay beyond 2030 it's going to grow at some rate who knows what it's going to be 
So you try and come up with something that you think is realistic and conservative. So I've said 3% again, because if we're going to assume 3% growth for the next decade, I don't want to assume faster growth than that beyond uh, the next 10 years. So that's the model. It's basically expecting a return to normal levels of dividends by 2023 and then dividend growth at about 3% per year beyond that. Um, and so the last once you've built the model, you don't have to sit back and think, how realistic is that? And you can look at all sorts of factors like how many stores does a company have? What international operations has it got? Could it expand into different countries, into different markets, and so on? In the case of Next, the the the, the estimated growth rate is three percent, so you don't really have to expect the company to do anything whizzy and amazing and go and conquer America or something. Next should be able to generate growth at about three percent, just by kind of doing what it's already done, which is just to put prices up in line with inflation, gradually increase the number of uh, outlets or the amount of sales online, maybe expand its international business a bit, sell, uh, generate more revenues for its total platform business. So 3% is a low enough expect, uh, estimated growth rate that you don't, it's not, I don't really have to worry too much about uh, external factors limiting that growth because it's not a very high uh, estimated growth rate anyway. So, essentially, I think that that model is both realistic and conservative. I think it's realistic and conservative to say that Next can return uh, cash to its shareholders equivalent to about 503p in 2030. So, having estimated... Uh, future dividends, we can then uh, discount those dividends back to today, which just means that the further the dividends are out into the future, uh, the more you reduce their present value, because obviously a pound today is worth more than a pound in 10 years. Um, and so my fair value estimate uses a discount rate of 7%. In other words, fair value is the price uh, at which you would get a 7% return if the model turned out to be correct. Uh, good value uses a 10% um, discount rate. And so plugging those into the model, with the, with the current price of, of Next is £79.80. So at a 7% discount rate, we get a fair value of £96.41. So the current price is slightly below fair value, which is good. Uh, and the good value estimate uh, is £54.95. So the current price is above my estimate of good value. So the current price of £79.80 is about halfway between the fair value price of almost £100 and the good value price of about £55. And there's another metric I use called the margin of safety, but it basically, it just it captures that idea of where is the current price between good and fair value. And so because the current price is about halfway between good and fair value, the margin of safety is 40%. Uh, and, and so if, if, the, if the current price equaled 
the the good value price, fifty five pounds, then margin the margin of safety would be a hundred percent. So currently, margin of safety is forty percent. So the price current price is okay. It's below my estimate of fair value, but it's not dazzlingly cheap. So, yeah, as I just said, the the the, the current price is below my estimate of fair value, but it doesn't appear to be dazzlingly cheap, at least according to my model. So I like to buy when the price is below, when sorry, when the margin of safety is 100% or when the price is below the good value price, which in the case of Next means that if the price was below £55 rather than the current nearly £80, I would happily buy more shares at that price. I don't really like to buy when the margin of safety is below 50% as it currently is. So at the current price, I'm not really looking to add to my holding at the minute. Uh, I, if next price went below £70, then the margin of safety would be above uh, 50%. And so I might buy at that price. Uh, but realistically, I'd be looking for it to be closer to £60 or less, or preferably less than £55. And on the other hand, if the price goes up to about £100, then, or even really in that direction, then I would probably be looking to either trim my position back or to sell the company completely and to reinvest in something else that was more attractively valued. So what are the major take-home points? Uh, the first one is that Next has a long track record of success and dividend growth. And uh, it's a high quality growth stock. I like it. I own it. I think it's a good company. Uh, it's come through the pandemic quite well. Some of that was due to luck, but a lot of it, I think, was due to the fact that it's just a very well-managed business. It's in a good position for the future. It already generates more than 50% of its revenues online. Uh, and it seems to be doing a good job of transitioning to being a hybrid retailer. Uh, my dividend model says that fair value is about £100 and a good value is about £55. And with a current price of about £80, uh, it's somewhere in the middle. So according to my model, it's reasonable value, not exceptional value. I wouldn't top it up at the current price. I'm happy to hold, um, but I wouldn't really be looking to top it up or buy more unless the share price got below £70. So that's it. If you want to have a go at building your own uh, dividend model, then just go to ukdividendstocks.com slash spreadsheet and uh, you, get access to, you can get access to my free uh, spreadsheet which you can just make a copy of and, and fill out to your heart's content um, that's it if you like this episode please like the episode on whatever platform uh, you're accessing this and uh, I'll see you next time